this is Annalisa Trofimuk and I'm here with Sierra Henry. This was a busy week across the board. We have a recap of national news, including the first debate and President Trump testing positive for coronavirus. Later, Sierra is going to talk about the Illinois State Director of Athletics resigning. The state and local law enforcement also released their guidelines for trick-or-treating this week, so stay tuned for that bit of spooky season news toward the end of today's episode. All of the reporting we mentioned today is courtesy of Lee Enterprise's Central Illinois Journalists. Stories and subscription information can be found on each of our three websites and in our print editions. For Bloomington Normal News, go to pantograph.com. For News Indicator in Macon County, go to herald-review.com. And for news in Mattoon and Coles County, that can be found at jg-tc.com. It is pumpkin spice latte season. It is spooky season. So you know we are getting it all in this October. I love it. The temperature has dropped. I'm feeling this cool breeze, this gloomy weather. Other than that, I've been particularly busy working on a story on outdoor dining and restaurants this week. Um, So stay tuned. We will have a story on that in Sunday's newspaper. But other than that, very eventful. (laughs) (laughs) So Annalisa, why don't you tell me about your week? Well, first of all, I think it's important to note that since it's Saturday, it is October 3rd. It's October 3rd. Um, Okay, but no, my week started off very exciting. I was shopping at Meijer late on Monday evening after a council meeting, and I walked past one display of Baby Yoda cereal, and it was (laughs) incredible, and I was so excited, and I bought it, and immediately when I got home, I didn't even unpack the rest of the groceries, just the milk and the cereal, and I tried it, and, um... It was all right. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It kind of tasted like uh, Kicks cereal that was breathed on by Fruity Pebbles. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but the marshmallows are shaped like little Baby Yoda's head, so it was cute. So yeah, that was my week, and it was incredible. You love Baby Yoda in this house. I do. I have Baby Yoda Pyrex. I have several Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess paraphernalia. No. What is the word I'm looking for? Yeah. I think would be okay. On my desk at work, one of the other reporters gave me um, like a little basically ornament that's Baby Yoda. Yeah, I I love him. Mandalorian starts, I think, this month. It's going to be a good month. Okay, let's, uh, let's get started. All right, let's get started with some national news today. President Donald Trump and Joe Biden on Tuesday had their first of three debates leading up to the November 3rd election. We've shared a fact-checking list courtesy of the Associated Press across our three websites, so make sure you're checking that out. The next debate will be scheduled for October 15th at 8 p.m. The New York Times also this week released the first part in their investigation of President Trump's taxes, so Annalisa, why don't you tell me about that? According to the New York Times, the reporters have poured over two decades and thousands of pages of documents on Trump's tax information up to and including his time in the White House. And you can check Pantograph.com for a list of five takeaways from the New York Times investigation. Well, folks, this was a busy week for President Trump, who announced early Friday that he and First Lady Melania Trump tested positive for COVID-19. This was shortly after one of his closest aides, Hope Hicks, had fallen ill with the coronavirus. We just heard reports late Friday morning that Joe Biden and his wife tested negative for the virus. Governor J.B. Pritzker is isolating for a second time after a third staff member in his office tested positive for the coronavirus, the governor's office said. 
The staff member tested negative Wednesday during a routine screening for employees in the governor's office, but was tested again Monday after developing symptoms, and that test came back positive, according to their office. Sierra, let's get into local government. What do you have for us? We're going to start off today by talking about the Normal Town Council, which will discuss postponing a zoning tax amendment for the one Normal Plaza planned unit development until Illinois enters Phase 5 of the Governor's Restore Illinois plan. The zoning tax amendment has been widely criticized by residents in the area, and the town will not discuss the issue until Planning Commission can hold an in-person hearing. Town Council will meet virtually at 7 p.m. on Monday, so be sure to check that out on the town's website or YouTube page. You can also be sure to check out my in-depth look at the agenda and subsequent report at Panagraph.com Monday evening. Now let's check in with Charleston and Mattoon. The city of Charleston is seeking a $2 million grant to fund a multi-million dollar project that will create a path for bicyclists and pedestrians to access nearby natural areas from Lake Charleston. The city will hold a public hearing on the grant application at 6 p.m. October 20th in Charleston City Hall prior to the Charleston City Council meeting. Read Dave Fopay's detailed report at jgtc.com for more information on the path. Annalisa, why don't you tell me what's going on in Bloomington this week? Yeah, so ahead of a Bloomington City Council meeting on Monday, members of the Bloomington Normal Democratic Socialists of America were calling on council members to adopt a welcoming city ordinance in Bloomington. Myself and photojournalist David Prober covered the protest where we heard from members of the crowd, which included two council members. The supporters are reviving calls for the ordinance in Bloomington that would signal support for immigrants, regardless of their legal status. The Bloomington City Council failed to enact a similar measure two years ago. Louis Gosland, spokesman for the Bloomington Normal DSA, said the proposed ordinance would define very clear and limited parameters for any kind of communication between local law enforcement and U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So in Decatur, city officials are expected to discuss a plan to provide utility and rent assistance to residents who are dealing with COVID-19-related issues. City Manager Scott Ryden, in a video announcement earlier this week, said the council and staff plan to discuss options during their meeting at 5.30 p.m. on Monday, October 5th, in the Decatur Civic Center. To accommodate social distancing, up to 50 members of the public will be allowed to attend. Let's move right into education news. So journalist Lenore Sabota had an exciting start to the week. She covered a fashion show conducted by students in two Illinois Wesleyan University art and design classes in front of Ames Library. Students wore cardboard creations designed to illustrate six-foot social distancing during the COVID-19-themed fashion show. Lenore gives specifics on how the idea came about. Go to panagraph.com to read her story and view David Prober's images and videos of the fashion show. The Herald and Review is reporting that Moroa Forsyth Middle School and St. Teresa High School are switching to remote learning after COVID cases were reported. Moroa Forsyth officials announced three confirmed cases of COVID-19 on Wednesday. Education reporter Valerie Wells gives more details about this. She writes, the three are all staff members who have been in quarantine. As a result of contact tracing, 11 other staff have been quarantined for 14 days. Because that means there is no longer adequate staff for in-person classes, the middle school classes will be entirely remote for all 14 days. If students are determined to be close contacts with an affected staff member, families will be notified by the school or the Macon County Health Department. The tentative date for a return to in-person learning at the middle school is October 13th, though administrators warned families to be flexible in case plans change. 
In more COVID-related news, Illinois State University will begin randomly testing students who are attending in-person or hybrid classes for COVID-19 in an attempt to prevent spread of the virus. Selected students are required to be tested, but others living on campus are strongly encouraged. Reporter Lenore Sabota gives a rundown on the university's plans at panagraph.com. On the same note, a student at Millican University has designed a mask specifically for flute players. Senior Ashton Smith created the mask to help musicians continue participating in performances and ensembles while remaining safe. Check out Valerie Wells' feature at JGTC.com for more information about how this innovative mask is benefiting college musicians. Let's check in with the Mattoon School District. The Mattoon School District announced intentions to operate optional free childcare at off-site locations for families struggling during the pandemic. The programs are intended for children who need supervision during the school days when not on campus on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. All right, we've got a hefty sports section for you all today. To star, Illinois State University Athletic Director Larry Lyons announced this week plans to retire at the end of the year. Lyons, who served as ISU's athletic director for 33 years, spoke with the Pantograph about his time with the university. He said a recent controversy surrounding his comment, All Redbird Lives Matter, which prompted demands for changes for ISU student athletics, did not play a role in his decision to retire. You can check out Randy Kidred's conversation with Lyons at Pantograph.com for more information. On a similar note, former Illinois State University football offensive coordinator Kurt Bethard told the Panagraph Thursday that his sudden departure from the university followed him placing a sign on his office door that read, All Lives Matter to Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The incident follows recent controversies with the athletics program, and you can check out Randy Reinhardt's report at Panagraph.com for more insight on the incident. Robbie Pender of Charleston, Illinois, will be participating in a portion of the Great American Relay from Boston to Los Angeles. The relay is an effort to raise money for the American Association for Cancer Research, and Pender will begin his 8.5-mile run west to Woodbury on U.S. Route 40 starting Wednesday morning. You can read Rob Stroud's feature at JGTC.com for more information on this fantastic event that he's participating in. I can't even run like eight and a half minutes, let alone eight and a half miles. No, no, sir. My but shins, that's pretty cool. My shin splints do not allow it. I've like <laughs> destroyed my shins from playing tennis. Oh, so no. every time I run, it's just like, yeah. stop. Yeah. Okay, so our last bit of sports news um, comes out of DePage County. DePage County denies restraining order against IHSA. Jim Benson reports that a temporary restraining order seeking to rescind the Illinois High School Association from implementing modified seasons because of COVID-19 was denied Thursday in DuPage County's 18th Judicial Circuit Court. You can check out more at herald-review.com. All right, we have some community news. Uh, Sierra, I think you are going to start this off for us. It has to do with JGTC. Yeah, the JGTC reported this week that the Laker Nest bookstore at Lakeland College was one of six college stores across the nation featured in the College Store Magazine's 15th Annual Store Design Showcase. The bookstore recently moved into a new location that offers class material for students and provides easy access to Laker merchandise throughout the year, the JGTC reported. You can find that story on JGTC.com for more information about the magazine. 
All right, so we have a little bit of an update for elections in Bloomington. Early voting, which began on September 24th, came to a halt in Bloomington on Thursday after the Illinois State Board of Elections found an error on the ballots. Denise Williams, chairwoman for the Bloomington Election Commission, said Friday that two 11th District Circuit Court judges up for retention were accidentally left off the ballot, Matthew J. Fitton and Jennifer H. Bocknecht. McLean County Clerk Kathy Michael said McLean County and normal residents are unaffected and can still cast their early ballots. Bloomington residents who have already voted could receive information in the mail next week about the two judicial retention candidates left off the original ballots. We will continue to follow the updates and publish those to the Pantograph as soon as we get them. So we're going to talk about Halloween. Yes, I love Halloween so much. State officials released trick-or-treating guidelines this week, and those have been published across our three websites. The full list includes suggestions for celebrating Halloween at home, facial coverings, and details about haunted houses, which are not allowed to operate under Phase 4 of Pritzker's Restore Illinois plan. Sad. Bloomington Normal Law Enforcement on Thursday announced that they are discouraging door-to-door trick-or-treating this year, but those who do wish to do so can, can do that but be socially distant. Trick-or-treat hours for Normal in Bloomington will be from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday, October 31st. Police officials are encouraging those who do not wish to participate to display a no-trick-or-treat flyer and to have their outdoor lights turned off. And we're going to include that along with their list of safety guidelines on our website. It's already published on our website. We're also going to include it in the article where you found this podcast. Sierra, I know Halloween is one of your favorite holidays, so do you want to talk about that for a little bit? I am so excited for Halloween. It is one of my favorite holidays, and this year is no exception. Of course, I'm going to be dressing up for Halloween. While I will not be attending any parties or gatherings this year, I am still working on a very spooky season Halloween costume. If you all have ever watched the TV show Over the Garden Wall, it's kind of, it's really different. It's a really cute cartoon, but there's got There's a lot of spooky themes to it, and I will be going as the Pumpkin King. Um, This is going to be a really challenging costume for me because I will have to paper mache a pumpkin head and make a seven foot costume to go with it, but I'm hoping the results will be out of this world. And Elisa, do you have any plans for Halloween? I don't have any plans for Halloween yet, but last weekend um, I got to see my family. Just we had a, a small, it was just my immediate family at my parents' house. Um, we had a small mini version of like an Oktoberfest, um, and it was fun. We had like brisket nachos, which is not something that's normally at, a, at an Oktoberfest, but usually every year we go apple picking. I don't think where we typically go is open, um, so yeah, we can't go this year, and we've gone every year since I was like six, I think, and I'm now oh. 25, to put that into perspective for people. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> yeah, so we kind of did a combination of Oktoberfest food and um, the the cuisine that we have, like the food truck fair food that we have when we go apple picking. So yeah, brisket, nachos, um, and we had like different sausages. It was really fun. I made, for the first time, I made this really cool cider recipe in like a crock pot. I went and bought all the spices for it. And then we um, kind of turned it into like a spiked cider and it was really, really fun. So I had my mind on that for a few weeks and I was really looking forward to that. And now I'm like, I don't know where to go next. So I guess Halloween is gonna be my next focus. 
Reporters Valerie Wells and Donette Beckett covered the WSOY Community Food Drive in Decatur. Now, this is an annual event. It's been happening for the last 19 years, although this year it was a little bit different. They couldn't collect what are usually uh, donations of non-perishable food items. This year they collected just monetary donations, and the giving kept coming, and by the end of the day, more than $600,000 was collected, which is equivalent to 3.2 million pounds of food. The amount doubled last year's total of 1.6 million pounds. Radio personality Brian Byers made the announcement that Archer Daniels Midland Co. had just donated $100,000 on Friday afternoon. Check out the Herald and Review to read Val and Donette's story about how this year's event was different than previous years. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today, everybody. Just to remind you, it is free to subscribe to the Long Story Short podcast, which is now live on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can also find us on Spotify and through three of Lee Enterprise's Central Illinois newspapers. Again, those websites are pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later.